Hi guys, Editing John here. Just to give you a quick heads up before we start the episode this week. Um, essentially, we recorded this week's episode, a lovely 25 minutes of talking about Japan and all our usual stuff. Uh, we then blathered on for about another 40 minutes talking about the Crunchyroll Anime Awards. Now, for some of you, that's definitely your jam. For some of you, not so much. So, what we're going to do is upload that slightly later in the week, so those who want their Japani stuff get their Japan stuff, and those who want their Anime Awards get their Anime Awards uh, with all the ridiculous amount of detail involved there. So, make sure you like our Facebook page or our Twitter or our Podbean to keep updated with that. We've also started streaming on Twitch. The best place to look at that is Facebook. We're playing Final Fantasy 3. But with that out of the way, please enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Geeks and Gaijins. I'm the Gaijin John. And I'm the Geek Tom. And you are listening to us. Well, not live, because that would be creepy. But I am from the deepest depths of Toshiri Prefecture, Japan. And Thomas is somewhere in the UK. Yeah, I'm in the middle of the English countryside. We combine the East and the West to make something that no one wants to listen to. (laughs) So the point of our podcast is always to look at Japanese stuff from two different uh, perspectives. From the East and the West. I like to say East and West a lot. Or the Nishi and the Higashi. I've been studying my Japanese. Yeah, I have. Ooh. He's learning, folks. He's evolving. I'm really not. This this, this language is difficult. Uh, <laughs> so, what have we got in store for the show today, Tomash? Uh, well, today we have uh, some news from the Pokemon company that has confirmed that John is the superior intellect of the two of us this time round. This was in this was in doubt. <laughs> hey, hey! <laughs> Don't call me out like that. It's too early in the podcast. And then we're going to segue from talking about Pokemon to segue. John. We do love our segues here. Uh, John's going to tell us more about what he's discovered about video game culture in Japan in general. Yep. Then, of course, we have a snack break, which is themed after my favorite dumb Yu-Gi-Oh card. Are you going to elaborate on that? <laughs> For fans of Yu-Gi-Oh from the early 2000s, 2003, there is a set of there is a very famous monster card, a very bad one called Monster Burger, which is a really <laughs> bad ritual monster. <laughs> yes, I have an instant burger, and hopefully it's not going to eat me. But there we are. Mm. My favorite food related to Yu-Gi-Oh card would probably be just dessert. Ah, that's a that's a good pun. <laughs> <laughs> Top tier puns. Uh, getting that niche Yu-Gi-Oh fan base audience rolling there. I, I, I mean, like it's actually really big on YouTube. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, well, you can find anything on YouTube if you look hard enough, or not hard at all, because YouTube will just throw random stuff at you. Like, oh, like, oh, I didn't know I was interested in this, but here we are now. Or I don't want to watch Conan O'Brien for like the fifth time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you watch Stephen Colbert once. Guess what? You're going to watch for the rest of your life. And after we watch that for the rest of our lives, we also have a bit of talk about the Anime Awards. Yes, Crunchyroll have announced. Uh, the nominations for this year's Anime Awards. So we'll quickly 
thwip through those and give our not-so-professional opinion about them. Beep. Yes, listeners, they are about as quick as an archaleptic sloth, hence my interjection. Yes, let the descent begin. Let's have fun. And with that, let's get into Gotta Catch Em All, Pokemon. Yeah, so Thomas, tell me how great I am. Uh, well, okay, so a, a couple of episodes back, maybe a few more actually. Yeah, um, quite a lot. It was like episode five was the great British Pokemon adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and John discussed what might potentially happen to Pokemon Sword and Shields going in the future. Because usually the Pokemon company likes to update the game through things like either sequel games or a third super game in the same series. And I thought that's how they were going to do it again this time around. Whereas yeah. John here predicted that they would uh, utilize the Switch in the same way that other Nintendo games have and release DLC. And it turns out that they're going to go with the second option. I am amazing. Basically, the other big Nintendo like first party stuff, like um, uh, Smash Bros., I know they'd done DLC before, but like a set of DLC got really popular. And I'm going to go into it slightly later. Japan got really slow to getting into that internet and digital distribution thing. Like loads of stores here still have physical video games and stuff, like a large section where you can buy stuff. But with the Switch and like the popularity of the Switch shop, and especially the pushing of the online features for Pokemon Sword and Shield, it felt like the kind of thing of, if they're going to try it, it'd be a good time to try it now. Yep, so they've announced two new DLCs for Pokemon Sword and Shield. Both DLCs will be available for both games, as far as I can tell, with only some slight differences between the two. That would be really dumb if one was available for one game and one was available for the other. Just based on the backs of things like... uh omega and sapphire or whatever it was it's omega ruby and alpha alpha sapphire that was it uh yeah and based on things like black and white too uh it's important to clarify that they're not making a sort of pokemon sword dlc and a pokemon shield dlc it's the same dlc for both games yeah no yeah so you'll also get a free update along with it as well uh, which will allow, which basically they're putting in uh, their new service called Pokemon Home, which they talked about a bit more, which is basically where you can put all your Pokemon from all your different games if you are so inclined to try and really collect them all, which I will say again is an English phrase only used in English marketing, not in the Japanese. Fair enough. But it that's was... important because uh, both the... The two DLCs are called the Isle of Armor and what's the Crown Tundra. Crown Tundra. And both of them not only introduce new Pokemon, but they also include Pokemon from older games that aren't included in the Sword and Shield base game. And I believe the free update allows you to bring in those Pokemon, even if you don't have the DLC. Including my boy, Sfeel, the seal that is a ball, who then evolves (laughs) into a walrus. I'm ah, uh, I'm I'm so glad they're bringing back some good ones. They're bringing back some some good Pokemon. Also, a bunch of new of them are getting Galarian forms, so new forms uh, exclusive. They're they're adding lots of like they're adding basically lots of favorites. And I don't want to like just go into very deep deep Pokemon stuff, but essentially one of them 
uh, is coming out in June. That's the Isle of Armour, um, which you can actually access uh, very early in the game, uh, only a couple of hours in, and then you can basically switch between the two. But I think it it's looking like a, a fun idea. So one's coming out in June and one's coming out possibly like winter. Isle of Armour's coming out first. And yeah, the only... I've The biggest thing here, Bar, because it's just more Pokemon. It's like you wanted Mega Evolution. Well, it's not Mega. You want more gigantic forms. Here's more gigantic forms. You wanted more stuff. Here's more stuff. It's just a general yeah. Pokemon Yeah, the three... Thing. The, the three starters now have new Gigantamax, Gigantamax forms other than just being big. Uh, but it's a bit weird because they're not like actually getting bigger. They're just getting bigger structures to stand on. So Grookey's evolution gets a really massive set of drums. Cinderace stands on a giant ball of fire and has really, really long ears. And Inteleon gets a massive water tower and a harpoon sniper rifle. All right. But they if, they gave the salamander a gun. <laughs> well, he already like his special ability in the game is like him shooting like his hand as a water pistol. He had a finger gun. That's not quite the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I know, but yeah. So hopefully, I'm I want more in- anglicized Englishness of the Pokemon Company. Just attempting to do stuff. People have already been like, ah, oh, so, uh. Isle of Armor, is that going to be like the Isle of Man of something? And I'm just like, there are lots of places in the UK that are Isle of something something. It doesn't have yeah. to just be one thing. I've got, I've got to let you know, this big island that we're all living on has a lot of smaller islands surrounding it. Really, so. I'm shocked, Thomas. I'm shocked. Yeah. I thought it was all one island, and I thought Ireland was part of that island, and that's why it was called Ireland. <laughs> Personally, I'm holding out for it being Guernsey. <laughs> so you've got your predictions here first, guys. Channel Island. Didn't they How will any of us know it's Guernsey? We won't. But... If they include a big fluffy cow Pokemon, then, then we'll know. That's all we live for, really. I mean, th- we already have Miltank, but obviously, we, and we have a mammoth one, I guess, as well. But we need something somewhere in between. Yeah, so this kind of uh, this kind of new Pokemon approach kind of brings into where Japan is with uh, essentially video games, because in the West currently, especially the USA, the UK, and Europe, the big things are digital downloads. Like lots of people don't even buy physical games anymore. You buy them online on the PlayStation Store, on Steam, on the Xbox Store, and everyone thinks that's normal. Well, that's fine. Or you just buy the game off Amazon. It's gotten to the point here where even if you buy a physical copy of a game, once you put the disc in, you still have to wait for a whole bunch of information to download onto your console. So the the disc is less of an actual game now and more just a key. Or the disc. Else. Also, the disc can just contain a code as well, and it just speeds up the installation, as it were. I know that's how it was for the PC version of Fallout Four. Oh uh, Christ. Yeah, no, this is... So you can basically use it to install it, but you still need an internet connection to activate it for the first time. Uh, Whereas Japan is very, very different. One, Xbox does not exist here. Well, it does, but both Nintendo and Sony are both Japanese companies. 
So they've been here long before the US. And so Microsoft just kind of goes, eh, we don't even try anymore. You can imagine the expense of trying to penetrate a market that well established, can't you? Exactly. It makes no sense. They've kind of, I think they've started to like get more popular with like the, uh, the amount of PCs becoming like more popular in Japan. Generally, like in like the headspace, they're just non-existent. It's all Japan. Japan doesn't really care about games from elsewhere really except it is kind of changing because obviously there's this push now on the switch towards like indie games and also like downloadable content and so you're finding well i'm finding especially when i look through the stores more and more just like oh that's a japanese game but oh there's like the new western game as well so they're kind of there's some more of it but a huge amount of like games that we think of as western games are actually either made in japan or made in companies owned by japanese companies as well so it's they want to recoup their investment as well the thing is the switch was so stupidly popular here and still is uh also the really popular one so pokemon's really popular obviously but also you have what was really popular, and I'm not sure if it still is, is anyone remembers the PS Vita, which was Sony's handheld console? Does um, anyone remember the PS Vita? I did. I still have one, and I really liked it. I it, it was I know, basically, I know. It was basically their really powerful DS to play PlayStation games on, and I really liked it, and it did well in Japan, and everywhere else it bombed ridiculously. It was basically PlayStation Portable. But they're not so... That was really popular here, and so is basically... And so is the Switch and PlayStation 4 as well. As well as loads of old Japanese games, weirdly. I hear my students talk about, like, oh, they're playing Final Fantasy VII. I'm like, all right. Uh, all all right. right, like, I'm playing that, but I'm, like, I'm old compared to you guys. That game came out the year I was born. So, like, come on, guys. Children, the children I'm teaching were born in, like, 2004. It's like me playing something, ironically, that came out in 1990. Watch us. We're streaming on Twitch, Geeks and Gaijins. We're streaming Final Fantasy III. Oh. <laughs> yes, and we're, we're having a great time trying to figure out what on earth is going on. Because it's a game released 30 years ago. But no, it has uh, no tutorial, <laughs> absolutely zero instruction. Yeah, basically Thomas is sitting there with the equivalent of a game manual whilst I play it. He's <laughs> like, what does this do? Well, <laughs> I don't usually enjoy games where I have to look up a wiki to know what's going on, but backseating John makes up for it, I guess. Exactly. But the games that are actually really popular here, as they are in the West as well, is mobile games. But not just any mobile games, Thomas. Uh, it's Gatchapon pay-to-win mobile games. Uh, For those who don't know what the term Gatchapon means, it essentially comes from the capsule machines in Japan, which are called Gatchapons. Um, but essentially it means there's a game where you can collect loads of different characters, and essentially you have to buy, either with real money or in-game currency, 
randomized boxes which contain these characters. And if you get more of the characters, you can level them up to do some kind of combat or whatever. And this is a base set of mechanics that essentially you can plaster anything onto. So really popular here are the Fire Emblem, essentially Fire Emblem ones. So in the West, if there's a big Star Wars one as well, uh, basically it's any kind of like any kind of video game or franchise you can do it for. But some of these became so popular, they even got their own anime. <laughs> you, can buy, you can buy like merchandise for them. There's one where basically loads of traditional swords are just cute anime boys. Essentially, it's lots of stuff where cute anime boys or cute yeah, anime they'll, girls. They'll take any concept and turn it into something adorable that people can really latch onto and pay far too much money to roll a dice and try and get out of what is basically a loot box but somehow worse so they've made these games on like swords and guns and tanks and ships and i mean like actual like naval ships and but there are cute anime waifus i keep on getting ads for uh, in which an AA-12 anti-aircraft gun tells me to come and play with her. <laughs> and, uh, it's it's weird enough as it is, but the problem is that it's been such a successful business model that literally every mobile game is like, we need to do that. That's how we're going to make our money. Because not only is it ridiculously easy to get people to pay money just for... A randomized chance to get their favorite character but it works so well it's just yeah, it's like the equivalent i'll try to explain to our western listeners it's it's like if candy crush had a tv show and it probably will do at some point it has no story there's no point to it but candy crush gets t- candy crush will somehow get a tv show or like angry birds getting two movies <laughs> like how could that happen right uh, yeah, yeah. Right. at least there's some degree of like skill involved in angry birds though and i can't believe regards to the point where i have to defend angry birds as a quality game in the, the on the phone mobile gaming market but jesus christ it at least requires physics or knowledge yeah. of basic physics yeah this is especially annoying to me because i really quite i think a mobile game would be really good for like a sort of RPG or a tactics game, and that's what I'm really looking for. But I can't find a single one where I don't have to just open random crates and hope I get something that's appropriately leveled and either not the worst that doesn't do anything or somehow get a five-star S rank, whatever, and just have no control over whether I win or lose the game anymore. It's just everything's a wash. Or you just do what I do and just buy really old games and play them on your phone. I've just started playing Knights of the Old Republic on my iPad. And good games. Good games remain good games, even through awful controls. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I, and, I can certainly see that. And with that, I think Thomas needs a break. <laughs> Sorry, you hit, you hit a dark place in my life, which is the mobile phone gaming market. Yep. But we're not going to solve it here, uh, so we might as well solve it with food. Over to snack break. Podcast magic. Thomas, do you know what time it is? 
it's a snacky snacky snack break time snack break that's a box of stationery ah <laughs> and that ding is the dinner bell for today's snack break you definitely didn't just whack something accidentally whilst you were no that totally wasn't my coffee cup but there we are <laughs> All right, so what is for snack break today, John? It is a Fukura burger. Uh, basically, it's an it's an instant burger I bought in a bag. Um, this is teriyaki flavor. Ah, teriyaki making its return. And I'm just I'm I'm looking at it more and more. I so there's a kind of teriyaki. There's a kind of like pale patty on a like regular burger kind of bun. Um, with some very no, it's dark. It's not brown. like a super sweet bun, is it? Uh, I don't know. Have a little bite of the bread. See if it's like no, an actual the bread normal. is. It's not a super sweet bun. It's not like ah, a big okay. bread, but it's a proper burger bun. Then in the middle, there's a kind of white gunk, which I think is like <laughs> either cabbage or something else. It's not the teriyaki sauce itself. Maybe it's like mayonnaise, another thing in it, but you can't really tell. Uh, what's it look like on the packaging? Yeah, it's not really clear. It's some form of chopped something, vegetable. maybe. But it looks more like a dollop of something. Yeah. Anyway, I've added I've added some cabbage to it, so it actually tastes nice. I'm sorry, you snack break purists that we have. Like, <laughs> oh, you can't adapt it afterwards. Well, I you're ruining the authentic Japanese flavor, John. Yeah, of my Fukura teriyaki burger. So here goes nothing. Eat the baggy mars. Oh. Another note, I am having this cold because it didn't have any instructions on it to that be you could read. cooked. No, I did I put it through Google Translate. There's ah, nothing about okay. that. So I think the white stuff was just kind of like another kind of cabbage or mayonnaise thing. I'm glad I put my own like cabbage in it so it has some kind of texture. It did look like coleslaw, didn't it? Yeah. It's not bad. Like I will say, compared to some of like the instant bag burgers I've had in the UK, this is actually seriously decent. The bread's alright. Like the patty is not like bad. And like the sauce is just like a nice kind of sticky teriyaki sauce. I bought this for like a hundred yen at a discount store. I was expecting this to be awful. <laughs> yeah, a cold instant burger. Ooh, that doesn't sound appetizing to anyone. But no, it's like really because I think I'm not sure the burger might be chicken. I'm not sure, but it just feels like a cold kind of teriyaki teriyaki flavored sandwich. Neat. Yeah, this is actually really. This is really decent. I know. That's dangerous. I will put that. <laughs> so you're likely to have those again, are you, John? Um, no, <laughs> because <laughs> then, then me attempting to do exercise would go thoroughly out the window. Oh but maybe, no! But maybe that was only a hundred yen, which I will put it in sense was about seventy pence. That's real good. Yeah, like you just suddenly need calories for some reason. <laughs> Or like feed an army of something. I don't know with teriyaki burgers. No, that 
I was thoroughly surprised by that. I was thoroughly surprised. So therefore, I'll give it a rating, my very inconsistent rating schedule. I will give it a Golden Kamui. Ooh. I thought it would be cheap and weird, but I'm actually really enjoying it. Please know I do love Golden Kamui, though it is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. <laughs> yep, that's high praise coming from John. Yeah, no, I'm I'm more it's like the whole thing. The fact I added if if there was no cabbage in it, which I added myself because I was making shredded cabbage for some other stuff. Um if there was no cabbage in it, I'd probably lower the score. But I can improve things as well. I can make them better. That's why I'm here in Japan. All right. If you say yeah, so. I, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. But there it we are. Like you're blowing your trumpet a little bit, there, John. Yes, I know how food works. That will make me guest star on the next season of Shokugeki no Soma. No, no, no. <laughs> It'll just be a, a fusion of the two Italian brothers. Yeah. Yeah, no to be honest i am just the italian brother who gets like really thin for a small amount of the show and also then is really fat because that is really what i am that is <laughs> that is just me i'm like i feel attacked oh. <laughs> though i do i do know uh, i do love their knife the mezzoluna the ha- uh, the half moon because we we used to have one of those at home, and they are amazing for chopping herbs. They're like the Italian rocky, rocky knife. I love them so much. Did it get stolen by a guy named after a car? It, uh, no, it did not. I think it just got eaten by the cupboard. But <laughs> as, ah, well, that's a different problem, <laughs> as all kitchen implements do. But with that, that's the end of our snack break. Over to future John. Da-la-la. Podcast magic. Oh yeah, that was a that was a snack break. Oh wait, I've still got some of the burger here. I can like, I can imply. Of course, you still have some of the burger there, John. You literally just ate some of it, and I'm eating some now. It's yay. It's like no time has passed. Stop breaking kayfabe, John. I've not. I've watched. I've been playing too many games, including Final Fantasy games, that just break the fourth wall or don't care that it exists. I mean, I'm kind of glad that Final Fantasy 3 routinely breaks the fourth wall, because if they didn't, we'd have no idea what any of the buttons do. That That is a good point. That is a good point. But on not <laughs> It's a lesser of two evils. Yes, yeah, so on not knowing what any of the buttons do, it's time for us to judge stuff that we have no right to have any opinion on it's the anime awards Woo! next time on geeks and gaijins let the controversy begin